This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update. Uh, Today, we're talking with the Commissioner of the Kentucky Department of Public Health and former AMA President, Dr. Stephen Stack in Lexington about how Kentucky is faring in its battle with COVID. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Stack, boy, I remember uh, over a year ago, we were talking uh, about COVID-19, the initial parts of the pandemic. You were trying to get people to take it seriously. Then fast forward to right now, uh, I think you've described, uh, or the Kentucky governor described the situation in Kentucky as, as dire. You know, what are you seeing down there? What do the numbers look like uh, in terms of cases and hospitalizations? Uh, well, sadly, uh, the cases are at an all-time high. The hospitalizations, uh, both regular admissions, ICU and ventilator use, all at all-time highs. They blew through the prior record highs that we had last uh, this past winter. Um, it, it's really pretty bad. But uh, and, and I think a lot of people did take it seriously. I mean, we've got over 60% of people are vaccinated here in Kentucky. That's, you know, almost two thirds have taken it seriously. Uh, there's just unfortunately a really substantial minority of the population who just see the world very differently. And unfortunately we're paying the price for that right now. And we've seen that those unvaccinated uh, populations are really driving uh, this surge, especially in the face of the Delta variant. Um, a lot of states are struggling with ICU beds and other shortages, same uh, in Kentucky. Oh, absolutely. So uh, we have hospitals uh, that have extended to 130% or more beyond their uh, normal bed space into into non-traditional areas, places that have converted regular medical floors uh, into um, ancillary ICU units. Uh, We have hospitals where we have over 40 or 50% of all the people in the hospital are COVID patients. Uh, It's it's in, in places where they just cannot find enough nurses and doctors and other staff to operate their full capacity. So there's actually, in many of the hospitals, enough extra beds. There's just no qualified healthcare professionals to operate them. And I guess that makes it even more puzzling that you're facing a pretty strong contingency in Kentucky that is actively working against uh, mitigation measures like mask mandates uh, that are backed by science. What else can you tell us about uh, that situation and other obstacles that you're facing? Well, it's difficult. And, And you know, we're not going to persuade anyone by bludgering them with facts, by arguing with them. Generally, that just causes people to dig in more and feel the need to prove and demonstrate that they were actually right. Um, so we're going to have to find other ways to have, have people hopefully come around on this. I, I wish it didn't take death and, and permanent harm to people, but it, it may be that that's what it is. And what we're seeing now is Delta variant is hitting people who are younger and it's hitting some of these people much harder. So we have instances of people in their 30s who from the day they got sick to the day they died was five days. We've had an announcement, I think today, of a 19-year-old, a couple of days ago, a 15-year-old, uh, certainly more people in their 30s and 40s who are succumbing to the disease. Um, at some point, people will look around and probably realize, wait a minute, the people who didn't get vaccinated that I actually know are starting to get hurt. But until it's that close and real, I'm, I'm concerned that we're not going to get this population to um, come around on it. You know, I get to talk to a, a lot of physicians uh, who are outspoken on this topic are really doing their best to communicate this. Is there, you know, anything that you're finding that's working 
in this kind of fight to get those unvaccinated people into the column of the vaccinated? Well, I, I think, first of all, whenever you can have testimonials from people that, that uh, some of the harder to reach audiences can relate with, right? It, that could be whatever demographic you're talking to. Um, if you find people that others trust and relate to and they tell the story, that's probably more helpful. It's really more about a human connection than it is about the science and facts at times. Uh, the other thing is try not to make it too personal and don't argue with folks. That's not going to win anyone. Argument is not going to prevail in this. Um, and then the other thing is I think we all have to practice the best possible self-hygiene we can for ourselves, particularly as I'm here talking to what I know will be a largely physician audience. Um, physicians, nurses, and other healthcare providers are really stepping up and going above and beyond to take care of folks. You got to take care of yourselves too. And, and I know as an emergency physician, the, the emotional drain and anguish that there can be when you have people dying multiple times a day and the distress of being overwhelmed, we've got to make sure we don't internalize that and see it as our own failing because it's not. Uh, we're doing the best we can with now a pandemic of the unvaccinated. And until the unvaccinated join the vaccinated, unfortunately, the crisis will continue to reemerge. And this surge, you know, couldn't come at a worse time because we're, of course, into the initial weeks of school, students are returning. Uh, and, and last week, it was reported that infections forced about one fifth of Kentucky school districts to temporarily close. How are you dealing with challenges like these? Well, they're difficult. Obviously, we need kids in school, right? In-person instruction is so important, both for the instruction, the socialization, food, nutrition services, other social services. Everyone wants kids in school. The way we do that is everybody gets vaccinated who's eligible, everyone 12 and older, and we use masks when we're in indoor spaces. The combination of vaccine for all eligible and mask use for all when they are inside the school setting would enable us to keep the vast majority of kids in school and benefiting from in-person instruction. The problem is when we have somehow politicized as a society, these masks, and we refuse to take a simple inexpensive public health measure that could make all of those other goods possible, what we end up with is people getting sick and then whether or not we quarantine them in public health, they end up staying away home when they're sick anyway, because they don't feel good enough to go out. And then unfortunately, some of them end up in the hospital and we have the other crisis we already discussed. So we got to have people get vaccinated and wear those masks to get through this. Um, and that, it's going to be a difficult journey. It has been so far. In fact, I, I think the situation has gotten you know, such, so overloaded in Kentucky that you, you have the federal government and they're working and other help. Uh, to help kind of manage, uh, you know, the, the crises. Um, you know, how do you see state and federal governments, work, you know, working together uh, in a time of crisis like this? And have we learned anything so far in this kind of year and a half that we've been in this? Well, I think we've learned that human uh, sociology and behavior is the really difficult thing. It's not the science at this point. Uh, I will say, regardless of who's the president of the United States, because obviously we had a big transition um, midpoint through this pandemic, the career public health professionals, the career science professionals at the, the, the national, the state and the local level, in my personal experience, have done heroic work. And we have cooperated and collaborated openly um, and freely to try to help all of us do the best we can. And across the states, there are colleagues who are my peers in other states doing really heroic work under really difficult circumstances. I, I couldn't be more proud of what we're trying to do. 
The difficulty, of course, is translating that into the reality of the world. You know, Otto von Bismarck says politics is the art of the possible. It's not what you want. It's not what you believe should happen. It's what you can persuade society to do and to follow. And we have to find a way to get more people to follow the good guidance that public health personnel are already putting out across the nation. I think that's so right. Uh, similar sentiment expressed today in a big uh, op-ed in the New York Times that you know, we have a scientific miracle and uh, where, where the trouble is, is in the marketing and changing human behavior. And that's always uh, been such a, you know, such a challenge. I mean, when you, you look at the situation, what is it gonna take to turn the corner on something like this? Well, you know, it's tough. So uh, I've actually read some books on pandemics during this pandemic. I don't know that that was much of an escape, but I did it anyway. Uh, there's a book called uh, The Great uh, Influenza, I think, the 1918, uh, Span uh, it's not Spanish, but the 1918 influenza epidemic. And then also uh, a book called um, uh, Premonition, uh, which talks more recently about the current situation. And then I read uh, one about the crisis in the red zone, which talks about the Ebola outbreak in 2016 in Africa. The, the one about Ebola uh, comments how people in the African communities uh, feared the outsiders who were giving the guidance because they were outsiders coming into their community. But when the local community started to recognize whole families were dying off because they were touching the bodies of deceased and being too close, they started doing reverse quarantine. People didn't leave their, their house or their home. They stayed inside and away from everyone else so that we could... Um, so they could stay safe. I think what we're, what we're going to have to have happen, unfortunately, is people are going to have to really rigidly adhere to these things, get vaccinated, get boosters if they get approved, wear your mask, avoid places where you can get infected. And then the disease, unfortunately, appears to going to have to run its course through everybody else uh, with all the harms that unfortunately brings until we get to a place where it's mitigated a bit as a threat. Uh, and hopefully some of them will then come along on the journey of vaccination. If we look through history, smallpox, measles, mumps, rubella, polio, right, uh, meningitis and college kids, hepatitis, the thing that brought those diseases under control was vaccination. This is, this is not an untold story before. It's a tale as old as time, and it's been shown over and over again. We've got great vaccines now. We'll make them better yet as we learn with the evolution of the virus, but they only work if people take them. Curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. You know, we had a chance to speak with John Barry, the author of The Great Influenza, on a segment uh, last year. Uh, if you haven't read that book and you have a chance, the afterword in that book uh, is about as close to a crystal ball as I've ever seen uh, in a book written back in 2005 and basically kind of laid out a scenario like the one we're facing right now. Um, Dr. Stack, last question. Uh, you know, your uh, presidency uh, at AMA uh, you had plenty of difficulties uh, to deal with and uh, difficult topics to have discussions with, with uh, the media. You know, how does something like this compare? 
Well, first of all, shameless plug for the AMA. I'm a big fan and have been, and obviously as a past president, um, I've had the privilege to see the organization at, all, at pretty much all of its levels. Um, the AMA faces difficulties all the time. There are always crises that feel like they're existential threats, a threat to the profession, a threat to healthcare, um, a threat to the association itself. So I think the AMA during my time and, and those before and after me always faces difficult challenges. I will say being a public health commissioner during a pandemic like this one has been orders of magnitude harder. Uh, I, I really don't have anything in my professional or personal life that approximates the intensity or the duration of the distress that this kind of job has um, brought with it, but and also the difficulty of uh, providing and projecting leadership reassurance um, to a population of, of healthcare providers and public health workers who are in serious distress because of the, the ongoing unrelenting intensity of this burden. I will tell you though, whether it was at the AMA and, and serving the profession of medicine or serving the public health community, it is an incredible privilege, a privilege to be part of these teams and to serve alongside these men and women who are doing such amazing things to try to help the public and society at large, despite the fact that large numbers of folks are really now um, enduring and, and bringing upon themselves and others horrible harms that could otherwise be prevented. Well, Dr. Stack, I want to say thank you for all the work that you're doing in Kentucky and to all of those physicians and their healthcare teams down in Kentucky. Thank you. Uh, that's it for today's COVID-19 update. We'll be back with another segment soon. In the meantime, for resources on COVID-19, visit ama-assn.org slash COVID-19. Thanks for joining us and please take care. This content was originally published as part of the AMA's COVID-19 daily video updates. Find the latest at ama-assn.org slash COVID update. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.